Life and Leadership with Bobby Kerr, a News Talk original. Brought to you by Amundi, an asset manager working today for all our tomorrows. Hello there and welcome to Life and Leadership with me, Bobby Kerr. My guest for this episode is best known for his countless appearances in a Dublin football jersey in Croke Park. Bernard Brogan is part of a Dublin GAA dynasty and holds seven All-Ireland medals. But he's not just a success on the pitch, he's a big success in the business world too, and his pep talk company has just landed a major investment in the US. I sat down on a weights bench in Bernard's club gym, St. Oliver Plunkett's GAA club. Bernard sat on an exercise ball and we talked life and leadership. So Bernard, you're very welcome to the podcast. Um, We're here at Plunkett's GAA, uh, right here in the heart of West Dublin. We're in a gym, a place I think you know well. Uh, You've probably spent many hard hours uh, in here uh, doing your weights and prepping for big games. But give us a sense of where we are and and maybe what it means to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you say, we're in Plunkett's, uh, St. Oliver Plunkett's Own Row. Uh, Own Row is, a, is an old hurling club from uh, from the inner city around uh, uh, um, Stony Batter, Smithfield area. Um, we, we amalgamated as a club uh, a number of years ago. Um, but the club itself here, we were just talking off, off camera, off, off mic there, um, it's very much central to the community here in Dublin 7. Uh, we're in kind of a narrow piece of, of land between St. Bridges GA, who down on the N4, and then Finbars, uh, which is in Cabra. So we've a slip, a slip of, uh, of, 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 of chimney pots between the Phoenix Park and the, and the, the Grand Canal. Um, but I suppose for me, I've been coming down here since I've three or four years of age. My dad managed the team in the 1980s uh, and the three brothers he was he was obviously on parenting duty and the three of us were brought to training as he was when we were behind the goals and collecting footballs and some of my, some of my youngest memories of, of GAA I suppose why, why Plunkett's is my dad was reared in Avon Road in Villa Park my, my granddad uh, Jimmy um, was uh, chief superintendent in uh, Cabra Garda station there wow. um, so they were around the parish um, and uh, eight uncles and one, one, one aunt uh, they all played for Plunkett's. Yeah. I got to play with uh, my uncle Kevin and Aidan briefly before they before they finished. So very much a family part of the club. But I now live in Castleknock, which is about a 15, 20 minute uh, drive away. But I have the my, my twins down here now uh, and baby Africa comes down on a Saturday morning as well. So. so that must be really interesting to be sort of steeped in a, in a GAA family like that, where pretty much everything probably revolved around this club, uh, revolved around how Dublin were doing, uh, every family occasion yeah. must have had some element. Uh, GA was certainly discussed, I'd suggest. Yeah, absolutely. Like my dad won three All Ireland's in the seventies. My mum is a Kerry woman, so there's plenty of uh, banter and crack when we walk the streets of the Stole or anywhere in Kerry or Dublin. Um, but very, very proud family, proud of GA. My granny and granddad weren't, weren't really GA people. Um, my, my uncle Jimmy, and my dad played for Dublin. My uncles played in bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, never pushed into it, never forced. We played basketball at a reasonable level. I played soccer. I was on a few trials in the UK. Played hurling for, for Dublin Minor before I played football. So my dad's kind of plan was just play everything, yeah. and see what you enjoy and, be, and, and go after whatever you want to do. And that's interesting because initially hurling was your first, uh, well, it was certainly the place you were firstly more successful. Yeah. And was there, was there a, a fork in the road where 
you had to choose uh, football over hurling, given that you had some minor success yeah. with hurling. What made you change to football? Probably seeing Alan out there in, in Crow Park. He'd started playing for the seniors in 2002, and I was watching on. I played a little bit of minor hurling, and I love, love hurling. Um, tried to go back at the end of my career, but I need a shoulder replacement, so I couldn't strike the ball as well. So I'm holding out that, that, that shoulder replacement until I, uh, until I can't lift the babies anymore. Um, but yeah, probably watching Alan standing on the hill, watching my brother out there scoring goals into the hill, and the place erupting 8,000 people. That was just... Yeah. where I wanted to be obviously I've been around people the respect that my dad got walking down the street the, 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 the fun and crack that they had with the Kerry guys the, the bond they had with each other as players um, it was something that I really valued and, and something that I wanted to wanted to be part of and then seeing Alan do it that was for me saying right I need to and I wasn't a natural I wasn't a naturally skilled player I, I was reasonable I was good I was good, good for plunkets but I had to work really hard at it yeah I couldn't get on the team. I didn't make my debut until I was 23, which is, which is those lads when I was playing that had five All-Irelands with the Dubs at 23 years of age. So I was a late, late bloomer, but I, the fork in the road for me is I said, I oh, need to do something different to get onto this team. I'm not yeah. going to get in. Alan came in at 18. He was darling of the hill. He was, he was just a fantastic athlete. He had a great engine, great balance. Um, I, I was more, it turned out, turned out to be more of a striker. So I said, I needed to be the most lethal strikers I could be, be the most accurate kicker of the ball. So my dad bought me actually 10, 10 O'Neill's footballs uh, for Christmas one year and I practised my own uh, down in Westmanstown, uh, down in Plunkett's, down in, um, in Castlenock GA, just wherever I could get a pair of posts. I and did kick. it need to become almost an obsession to break your way into that side? Yeah, it was It was a time when GA started to become really, they started thinking about the, 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 the around the sports where we're looking at the individual, we're looking at the their, their, their stats, we started to look at nutrition, we started to look at weights, all these things. So it was starting to become what it is now is like it's 40, 50 hours a week for a young guy to, with travel and stuff like that. So that was the start of it in, in Pillar Caffrey's time um, where I was trying to break in, but I had to do something different and that's that was that fork in the road for me. Very interesting. Um, was, was there, you said earlier that there was no pressure uh, mm. from family to go out and play, to go out and perform, but did the environment itself that you were growing up in create its own pressure for you? Yeah, or like did you a, did you bring that pressure on yourself? Yeah, my, my, well, there's no pressure put on us, and obviously my dad was very conscious of that. I'm sure having three boys and everyone talking about us when we started to show a bit of potential talent with the club, and it was all talk. Will they play for Dublin? And Alan probably f- f- shouldered a lot of that pressure when he yeah. went in and. He was a fantastic footballer and, and, and very quickly became his own man and not Bernard's son anymore. I had to live as as Alan's uh, brother for a long, long time until I made my own uh, stance. But um, no, it was uh, no no major pressure. But like the 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 bond and I said, our family is steeped in it and. The, the Brogans and the Currys who will be our first cousins every game that Dublin have ever had they come together they have a barbecue down at Connacht Street where, where the Currys um, family home was and uh, 30 or 40 people come together and the, the young uh, partners and boyfriends and girlfriends of different people get their first introduction to the family at these events they have a barbecue they have a few pints the crack it's a ritual. And, and they've done it Like, and I was just for me when I look back on the most valuable pieces of that Alan started and we, and we started those events but to be able to give those memories and those reasons to come together like sometimes families only come together for funerals or sad moments or maybe once a year Christmas but we've been so lucky as a family to have so many occasions now yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm now going to go to them obviously I'm COVID in the way of um, of my time at Dublin but I'm looking forward to spending my time at those barbecues having a few beers and, and reminiscing on some stories you know great um, who was the best manager that you worked under over your over your long career uh, Bernard was it Jim Gavin Jim Gavin was a, was 
a phenomenal uh, people manager. He was a phenomenal tactician. Uh, he left no stone unturned. Um, he understood the relationship he wanted to play uh, with the, with the players, um, where he stood, where where other managers have become friendly. Like Pat Gilroy was, and I, I always people always ask me about leadership and management and what what style works. Like there's lo, as you know, loads of different ways of of leading a team of 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 of, of bringing people on a journey and. Pacquiao, uh, for me, was a guy who really tested me and got the best out of me. And that's what I needed. I needed someone to kick me in the ass, you know what I mean? And I was, I was at a stage where I was playing well and he put real pressure on me to do more, to be more of a team player, to, 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 to bring people into the game, to work harder, to come back, to track, all these different things that maybe I wasn't doing. I just thought I had to go up there and score, stand, stand near the goals and kick it over the bar. Um, but at the, game, it was, the game needed more than that. Um, so coming from Pillar get to give me, give me my start even Tommy, Tommy Lyons I had a brief time with him um, Dublin very lucky with their managers Pat Gilroy really transformed the mindset of that Dublin team He's a, he, he actually went away and studied uh, psychology in the middle of it he was a successful businessman he, he'd sold a couple of businesses and very well respected but he actually wanted to understand the psychology of, of sport yeah. and he went and did and during one of the summers he did a course himself and he put his arm around some people, he kicked other people uh, in the ass, uh, loads of different ways and understood, like any leader should, is that everyone needs to be communicated differently to, everyone has a different motivation, everyone has a different track, and you need to understand that it's not one one, one signal to everyone doesn't work, you know what I mean, for high performance. And can I ask you about authority, uh, how you dealt with authority in terms of those managers, uh, and even how you deal with authority still, is, is, that, is that something that, as a young lad, uh, that you ever struggled with? Not really. We're like we're very privileged to try and play for, play for Dublin and, and to be part of that team. And and I remember Jim Gavin actually said to me uh, when I when I handed in um, the badges, they say, and and and, I, and I, I retired. He thanked me for for obviously my time and for the effort and all the and all the time he put in. But he said the, the biggest piece was when he came in, in two thousand thirteen. There was some obviously senior players that have been around the block, the one on one on Ireland, and he felt that he was expecting, as happened in his time in 95, 96, where there was a bit of a, a, a rally against the management and stuff like that. Uh, he, he he experienced that the team just really bought into it, that he came in, they op- we had open arms for what he was, we were, we were soaking up, we wanted to learn, we wanted to be better because we wanted success. Uh, and he said that was the biggest thing that stood for him in our yeah. time. And that was set eight years before that, do you know what I mean? But that, that really stood to me about, wow, because we were only young guys, delighted to be there. Like all we ever wanted to do was play for Dublin. But you, you do need to show up, and you need to allow your kind of. You need to be a team player, and you need to know that people, there's facilitators, leaders are there to try and put manners around and, and, a, and a framework for you to perform yeah. and and buying into it. Yeah. Um. You, you. Did you always crave the big occasion? Because it's often said that the bigger the occasion, the better Bernard Brogan played. Yeah. Uh, was was. <laughs> did you? Did you go out into those games, those big, big games that meant so much? The bigger the game, was it? The, was it the? Was, was that? How was it that you performed so well on big days? Yeah, like uh, I didn't perform well in all of them, but definitely <laughs> I, I, I did crave that that big occasion. I always felt, and I suppose one of my biggest, when I look, look at myself, one of my biggest um, strengths, I believe, is my resilience and, and and not willingness to kind of, I won't shirk responsibility and I won't be afraid to take the shot. I always say I'm I'm always afraid I'm not afraid to take that next shot, even if I miss two, I'll go again and I'll keep going. And I always in my mind, the mindset I used to have is that in in a big game and at times I got a, a couple of scores late on in games that I'm going to get another chance. Be it, be ready, be be clued in. And what happens at the end of games? People start to drift and they start to to, to lose their focus. And I I always try to just bring myself back. So there's three minutes to go. We're level pegging here. 
I'm up here in the full forward line. There's got one ball is going to come in. I'm going to get it, and I'm going to str- you know I me. Mean? So I, I I did a lot of self talk. I did a lot of probably. Uh, subconsciously before maybe psychologists sports psychologists come in I did a lot of visualisation I used to go to sleep every night thinking about how I was kicking the ball over the bar literally that used, wow. to, that used to help me sleep when my mind be racing and say right go back to kicking the ball over the bar and that was my counting sheeps I suppose <laughs> kicking the ball over the bar Did nerves ever get the better of you? Um, I wasn't I never majorly nervous I think maybe because I, I started late into, as I was 23 I'd spent three or four years on the panel I'd been around Crow Park I'd been around a big day I wasn't part of the crave to be out there but I was on the bench or I was in the stands and I was part of the team and I was around the team bus and the buzz so I was very kind of comfortable with the environment when I actually got a chance which yeah. probably really helped me um, get up and away but um no, there's loads of days where where I doubt myself, like any like anyone that's trying to trying to play at high performance. Loads of days where um, you have that bit of imposter syndrome, where you're saying, "Actually, am I am I good enough to be here?" You mark some some good marker that's tight on you, you can't get away. You feel like your leg, you don't the legs get away from them. Especially as I got a bit older, I'm like, God, do I haven't left in the legs?" And you're trying to keep yourself positive, but um, more kind of bit of self doubt, more than nerves at times. But um, but I always try to push through it. Just, just interested as well, Bernard, about maybe dealing with disappointment, yeah. uh, being dropped in that Mayo game, mm. 2016, mm. Uh, where Manny said you should have played. You, you dealt with that in your own way. Tell mm. us a little bit about that. Yeah, like uh, again, you know, I've been part of the team for a while, and and as you said, one of the one of the players is probably expected to play in, in all the big games, and we, we'd had reasonable success. Um, and I don't know who, where it came from, but just when, when Jim Gavin called myself and Michael Dar McCauley in and said we were the two, obviously we were going to a replay, we wanted to refresh things, someone's going to, there's always going to be change. And we were the two that day. And I just, for whatever reason, just said to Mick, I said, Mick, these are, they're all going to be looking at us now in this circle. Because we go into a huddle and Jim goes in the middle. And he says the team. And you're, you're waiting for the numbers to come and the names you usually hear and the, the Brian Fentons and Kendall Kennys and Durham McConnellys and Paul Flynn's. And then a couple of names weren't there. Michael, Michael Armacolley's name wasn't there and I wasn't there. And you, I, I, was, I looked up because I knew the people were looking back and you see the odd, the odd eyes coming up. And I just kind of look, look back with a smile and just kind of, we're here we're not like maybe expecting me to be head down and disappointed but I firmly believe in in in, in showing up and 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 putting the best fun, best best foot forward and been positive around people because that affects the energy around you so you can be an energy giver or an energy taker so in those situations if you're if you're a marquee player I could have taken a lot of energy out of that group by kind of kicking around go back in the dressing room giving out saying oh this is ridiculous and you're just pulling energy from different people so just kind of decided that you know what I'm going to be trying to be an energy giver in this in- environment, and that was back to Pat about back to the team and that can't have been to- easy though. No, like you're you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're here, you're going to go back to your family and your dad and all the family, and they're all waiting for you to be on, on the big day. Alan retired at this stage, so they're all coming to watch you. And so there's a lot of obviously an ego, an ego hit there. But um, but we've gotten to a stage where we're, it was all about the greater good. Um, I remember one of my best pals, Ross McConnell, um, played in 2011. And he actually was dropped for the final, and for years he never really appreciated the All Ireland win. Um, and I was like going to him, like you won All Ireland, you played in ninety percent of the games, you were there for five years, six years before that, you, you toiled, you did everything. How? Why won't you just accept it? And it was only actually in the last couple of years we were, we were in Spain or something like that. And he goes, you know what? I'm thinking a lot about it. And you know what? And so we celebrated our 2011 win in 2020 or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Or whatever it was. So yeah. you, you can carry these things, and you can feel as if you're not part of it, but. 
and as I got on, I, and I was a, I was a uh, sub for a lot longer, for a few more years, and, and I tried to just add add value to the team. I knew that I was slowing down. That I didn't have the legs, and maybe the mindset, and the young people like Conor Callahan and Cormac Costello and Dean Rock were coming through and uh, and, and doing well. So this, this, the, the, as Alex Ferguson said, you don't gonna let a team get old together. You need to bring in new blood and yeah. re-energize it. So I, I knew that as well. You know what I mean? Which is uh, which is one way if you, if you ex- expect it to happen, it's a bit easier. Do you miss the camaraderie? Yeah, that's that's the main yeah. the main thing I miss. We're in we're in the gym here in Plunkett's and and I said we've trained for for championships here year after year and with the dubs it's as I said it's 30, 40 hours your week. You're yeah. nearly every night. You're always think, every day every decision you make you're thinking about it and you're together nearly every day every second day. Um, and some of my best best pals have come come through it very 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 close. A lot of the guys. Um, and that's the buzz, and that's the that's the hole that leaves inside. It's a hard thing to fill. I've, I I was busy with business, and busy with family, and 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 home life, and all that. But you still you still miss that camaraderie, that 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 purpose that we're going after something, and that energy behind it. You know. What yeah. I mean? Did you have one eye on business? You know, even though you were very focused on your sporting career, uh, you trained as a chartered accountant, so clearly you had some plan <laughs> uh, post football. But but was it a calculated plan or was it was it a loose plan? If I get a yeah. an accountancy degree, uh, I qualify in the area of business and I'll sort that out later. Or a little bit like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah, I'm fairly commercially minded, um, and the accountancy fantastic qualification. My dad was an engineer, and I remember him saying to me, saying CEOs and business leaders are, are there's a lot of engineers and accountants get to that level because of the the, the training and the discipline and stuff they have. So. The accountancy, um, I was good at numbers, good at, I liked accountancy as I went through it and, and I was in college uh, on scholarship uh, with DCU, we'd won a Sigerson and, and I wanted to stay for another year and it was the start of the accountancy exams, I said right here we go, so I finished that out with, with it. Just on that, the Searson uh, Cup, again that must be special as well because you, it's something you associate with your with your third level studies, yeah. uh, probably a different bunch of lads in lots of yeah. ways yeah. And, and a different kind of competition. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant competition. It's early in the year. It's it's dogged. It's wet ground. Uh, so it's real. Where real footballers are made. You know what I mean? So uh, we I met, met some, and you're playing with the other intercounty stars and playing yeah. against them. Like I remember in Manute, I was a minute before the DCU, and you had people like Mark O'Shea. You'd you'd uh, Rory Cavanagh from Donegal. You had four or five of the Dublin guys. You'd, like we our standard. The standard of football was really high, and in DCU they went on a, on a journey. We, we won their first Sigerson in DCU, and um, we had lads from all over the country. Shawnee Johnson from Cavan, Connor. Mortimer from 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 Mayo, yeah, Paddy Keenan from Loud, and we lived together for a year, and it was it was literally like professional setup, like it was it was a fantastic time, and doing a little bit of study and getting a few exams eventually, but uh, it was very much football focused, um, and the the, the guys did the, the, the uh, Niall Moyna and Declan Brennan and DCU put like really made us feel like pros and really gave us a kind of kicked me kicked me gave me an opportunity, and that was that was the year after that where myself and Ross McConnell really pushed on. With the dubs, Ross came in like uh, from DCU. Declan Lally was on the team, and we drove on that new kind of new kind of Dublin setup. Um, and so, really did the DCU experience in the Searson Cup? Did that? Do you think that helped? Absolutely. Your progress with yeah. Dublin. It kind of made me kind of st- like in, in the eyes of maybe Dublin management that I wasn't just. Uh, a useful Alan's brother, another fella, nice to have around yeah. the place where he's actually stood, stood played, played some good games. We won the Sigerson, um, and yeah, maybe probably made me kind of step up in their eyes a little bit, you know. Yeah, great. Life and leadership with Bobby Kerr, a news talk original.
Brought to you by Amundi, an asset manager working today for all our tomorrows. Let's go back to the uh, subject of accountancy. Oh, yes. Sometimes people might say that's boring. I'd prefer <laughs> to talk about sport all day. But you, you said you, you're commercially minded. You're, you were a bit of a natural with numbers. So mm. would that came, no, no real problem getting through that. And, and no, we're interested in it. Yeah. Um, no, in fairness, uh, I did my second, obviously you do the set, you do the, second and third set of exams through practice and, I, and uh, it was actually Paul Griffin who played cornerback for Dublin his dad Eamon Griffin was a tax partner in a place called Fire Grand Sparks which were, which were merged with Grant, or now Grant Thornton um, and he gave me a fantastic opportunity as in he let, let me go to training he helped us with my studies they gave me great uh, flexibility um, to play at the level I wanted to play at and I did fail some exams it's not easy chartered accountants is a fantastic qualification but it's not easy um, but yeah, like the, the, the rounding it gave me, uh, when you look at business and, and, and looking at a balance sheet, looking at P&L, looking at decisions that been made in business, the account, just that, that understanding that yeah. the, the accounting practice, because of the modules you go through, the understanding you have of tax, of all of these things, of M&A, of different things, you know what I mean? It really gives you a broad sense of uh, the business world. So like going into it, I probably wasn't thinking about it like that, but having been in business and having started my own businesses, it's been a fantastic qualification to have. And when did you decide, did you decide, at what stage did you decide that you wanted to go into business for yourself? I had left in 2011, uh, I had left just, just before the All-Ireland um, to, be, to become a professional athlete for the three weeks before the All-Ireland. I'd finished my time in, in, uh, to become an accountant and uh, we won the All-Ireland and we, we, we partied hard and celebrated uh, as you would for, with the Dublin's first All-Ireland in 16 years. And James, who, uh, who went into the business, we started a legacy with originally, um, he was kind of thinking about doing something and I was kind of, I wanted, I, I really had, had that entrepreneurial spirit. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I, what I was good at. Uh, but when he came to me with some ideas and asked him for some contacts and would you introduce me to this guy? I, I said to him, you know what? I said, I'll do one better. I'll come with you. Whether, whether you like it or not, but let's do something together. Um, he's a very smart, very calculated guy and our personalities are quite quite different. I'm quite a yellow in the personality colours where you're creative and outgoing and, and like to network and he's, He's, he's a very social networker as well, but he's very diligent. He's very detail orientated. Uh, so we, we kind of we married. And he's quite your well. cousin, so you knew him well. He was at all those barbecues. Yeah, uh, and he was with the Dubs with us as well. Yeah, yeah. He was part of it in 2011. He had the All Ireland. He yeah. was hit an, an injury for the for that year, but he was uh, he was kind of actually on the management team with Pat Gilroy because he was so well respected. So he's a. So yeah, coming in and, and, and that's just when you said talk about going into business, having someone there beside you. When people ask me what what what, do, what would you recommend or any tips, like having someone with you on the journey because yeah. it's not here. You've done it ten, yeah. loads of times. Having having someone around you, a trusted compra- a team, is so important because you need to have, you need to there's wins, yeah, but you need to be able to celebrate those wins. You need someone there with you when it, in the, when the challenges. And you you come. mentioned something there as well that you're both different. That you're mm. maybe you know that. Everybody isn't good at the same thing, and 100%. if you can get that balance right, where you're 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 working with someone uh, who compliments you, mm. who's good at stuff that you're not good at, and vice versa. Yeah, that's that's, that, that's where two and two makes five. Exactly, and that's what the biggest thing we learned in sport. Like you, you have your 
you have your defenders, you have your goalkeeper, Stephen Cluxon kicking the ball out, who can put it on, on a five-pence from, from, from 80 yards. You've got Brian Fenton in the middle who can catch a ball and kick scores. You've got Paul Flynn and Dermot Connolly that can outside the boot it. You've got strikers inside. You've got Philly McMahon who's tough at the back, who's hitting lads and, 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 and holding lads down and keeping them scoreless. Like That's what a team is about. It's about sure. a group of individuals that have different strengths and skills to, 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 to give a performance. And, and that's what you want in a team in, in the workplace as well. Yeah, um, so we talk about legacy then for a minute yeah, then. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, you had a trio as well, the, 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 the PR guru. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who says she now celebrates uh, and supports you from the sidelines. So again, there was specific expertise in PR in Michelle, isn't that right? Michelle was yeah, pep, pep yeah. talk. Pep, and yeah. She was a uh, HR. So yeah. in, in, in legacy, it was, um, it was me and James around... Um, uh, we we went into sports sponsorship first initially, so the AIG Dublin jersey. I remember I rang Declan O'Rourke when he did the deal. Um, I was getting on a plane. I jumped off the plane to talk to him and said, um, "Will you come talk to us? We we know GEA, obviously." So that, that that business legacy started as activating sponsorships. So AIG in Dublin, we brought Littlewoods into Littlewoods Ireland into the hurling in GEA. We work with Leia Healthcare, Energia in the rugby. So that was where that business was born out of. And then we pushed into. Um, consumer PR so yeah. we, we would do Aldi's uh, press office we'd be one of the busiest press offices in, in, in the country and other like San Pellegrino other brands like that and did you have to be careful around I suppose commercialising your own GA experience as in you yeah. you would retired maybe as a player now you have a new relationship almost with the GA you have your history yeah. and all the great stuff you did there but do you need to be careful when you're when it's now become I suppose when you're trying to monetize yeah. uh, your experience and bring it into the commercial world 100% and, and our cell or my cell when I was going in talking to people is that I know how the sporting world landscape works. I know when you get access to players. I know what the managers want the players to say. You see it now. It's very hard to get players now because they've locked, locked, they locked them down. It's a short season. So we understand the dynamics of the, of the player and the asset side um, yeah. that are always involved and, and, and the organisation. So if you're sponsoring a team, you're sponsoring a sport, we understood that better than anyone because we lived it. And I'd done loads of brand work myself with, with different brands throughout the years with Super Value, with Adidas, etc., like that. And, and, and seeing it done really well and we, I thought we could, we could really help in that space. So that's where we had a USP over maybe some of the other agencies in town. Um, and then from there it grew. Um, but yeah, very much our first few deals where with where people we knew, contacts. Sometimes I was a brand ambassador because I was still playing. I started Legacy in, in, when I was 27. So I played for another seven or eight years. So at times there was a little bit of a marrying of the two. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, what I was trying to do was build... True, true sport is fantastic for a network like Ireland and even abroad now with Pep Talk US the GA is such a fantastic community of people who are willing to help each other uh, and the amount of doors that were opened because of my sporting background that will come in and talk to you give you advice give you a steer send you on to the marketing team was phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, and that's something that I knew would happen and probably why I started while I was still playing but I never thought it would be at the level that, that, that we yeah. received. And every business evolves, Bernard. So as you say, you started off in, in, in sports management, yeah. in, in uh, 
did you did you do any agency work in the uh, very little James would have looked after me and I remember our first PR piece went out and, and it was the Jerry Maguire I remember it still and I think it was the Irish Times or Sunday Indo or one of them and it was the Jerry Maguire of the GA world and we couldn't shake it for, like it's PR work so we couldn't sh- about, took about 10 years to shake it but um, but yeah we, James did, he was a solicitor and I'm an accountant so we've got professional backgrounds and he would have looked after um, some of the GA guys some of the rugby yeah. guys but we very quickly got into sports sponsorship PR consumer PR now we're into SEO, digital marketing, making sure obviously digital is where it's at now. So we're, as you say, the business evolves. Uh, you mentioned well. a bit of fashion there, uh, V by Very. Tell yes. us a bit more about that. <laughs> yeah, one of our one of our uh, like a game changing clients for us, uh, Jeff Scully uh, and Rasa uh, Butler in 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 Littlewoods, Ireland, uh, at the time now called Very, um, gave us a chance. They came to us actually with a brief uh, about doing some CSR, some charitable work. They wanted to do more in the community. And we came back with hurling sponsor the GEA so they had to bring this back to the UK they're like what's this hurling thing you're talking about but in fairness to the, le- the leadership team to Fiona uh, uh, Ross and and, uh, and Jeff Jeff backed it and he went to nail and, and probably went from a 50 grand budget to as you know a millions spend every year in the GA and I really they they would they would credit a lot of their success in Ireland off the back of that that's too. interesting because that must have been a tough sell in in London or wherever it yeah. was being sold yeah. onto the uh, up in uh, up in Liverpool in between Liverpool and Manchester well, so imagine what hurling is like up there you know so um but the magic was when when, the G, when when they were showing where their deliveries were and their and their population base of the, of their clients and the G, I remember one one vivid image and the GA showed the map of GA clubs and population obviously Dublin centric Cork all the big cities if you if you lay the two of them down they were exact replicas of of customers and or or players or community so that's the GA is such a, a national and such a spread it's a fantastic avenue for brands to actually. Uh, produce their message to their, to their customers. Tell us then about Pep Talk. Yeah. Um, it's been, uh, and I know maybe some of it came out of legacy, but it is a separate business. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so talk to us about the evolution of it and maybe what, what, what your plans are for that yeah, business. Absolutely, yeah. So very much we were, I said, working uh, with legacy with, with senior leaders, senior business leaders across marketing, PR, etc. And... Um, Obviously, because I was playing with sport, they'd ask, would you come in and talk to our team about high performance or the team over here, they're struggling a bit, talk about motivation, resilience. And I went into, we'll talk about nutrition, will you bring some of your colleagues in, will you, will you build, I remember, uh, uh, we were in, still in Legacy, but working for, for, for several, a couple of clients, um, and we had four different desktops of different kind of landing pages for programs around mindset, nutrition, health. So it was kind of that, that, that crux around the start of well-being in the workplace. And we had, I remember we had, we had three or four different landing pages and we were updating content and pushing it out to, to, to the organisations. And that was five years ago. Um, and that was the crux of it. We were very much in legacy. So then after a while, we, we, we pulled it out um, put a bit of manners around it, uh, brought in some team, raised a few small bob, uh, and said we need to build a bit of tech about this because we there's, a, there's something here that, that that well-being and culture, fundamentally our belief is that the, the individual in the in, in, in sport, when, when, when I was with Dublin, we, we support the environment around that from your, 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 your family life, your studies, your yeah. work, and for you to perform on the Sunday in Crow Park, and the workplace is the same. Your employer wants to support you as an individual, make sure you have all of your, your environment as best they can, so that you can come in on a Monday morning yeah. and, and produce the And goods. you're not distracted, you're not by, distracted other stuff. by other stuff. With the best of their ability, um, um, exactly. So, so you, the, you say it's a tech platform. What's the monetary piece? Uh, how do you get paid? How, how, uh, what's the income and expenditure? Yeah, this? so we've we built, we've, 
and over the four or five, four or five years, we've we've obviously tweaked our tech. We've taken on investment. We've, we've obviously worked with Venture Wave um, and taken on a, um, a sizable investment pre Christmas, and that is to 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 build out our platform and to invest in the team. So fundamentally, we're now um, calling ourselves a team experience platform. So because of COVID. Uh, we believe that the office is no longer the mecca of culture. So you work for Google, the fantastic offices there down in town and they've swimming pools and gyms and food. But if you're two days a week there, the other three days you're in, a, in, a, in, in your box room or at, on, your, on your kitchen table selling ads for Google. No, it's not as glamorous as it is yeah. when you walk in the halls and you're trying to hit a number at home. So we believe that the culture of organization, the future of um, performance in the workplace uh, is around the team like we had in sports, the team and the managers. We, they're the two conjures we focus on. And we want to work on connecting, bonding the team together, as we've as we done, and making the manager's relationship with the team better. The last piece of, of, of work we did with Dublin, uh, Jim brought us to Lambay Island for the weekend before the 5 I've been out row. there yeah. with the Wallabies. Fantastic place. <laughs> and all, we didn't kick a football. This is the week before, or just before the All-Ireland final. And all we did was the three sessions around connection, getting to know each other better. There was some new guys, some old guys people talking about challenges they had, lost, lost, lost relatives, like people who didn't have parents, had been struggling with different challenges. And all it was to do was to just create that bond. And why is that? Like, why do you invest in culture? Invest in culture to, for us in sport, it's about the last five minutes of a game that I'll go through the wall for you. You're after slipping, Bobby. I'm going to make up for your man. I'm going to get a block on him. Or I'm going to get that ball to you if you're the striker. Do you take that shot for us to win? In business, you create, you build culture and, and start the well-being. We believe it's more in the, in, in the engagement team, team space now. Because when this COVID comes and you need to, tweak things and you need to, and you need to get home and, and figure out a way. Culture is about having a, a, a relationship or a bond built up that when times are hard, you'll back each other up yeah. and you'll go the extra mile and you'll, you'll do the late hours or you'll do the extra hours or you'll cover the person who's sick or it's a big project and we need to work late. That's why you invest in culture, that the people will come together when, when needed and that's where we're, where we're leaning on. You mentioned the investment pre-Christmas, I think it was three million plus, yeah. which, is, which is great. Uh, James has got the. Did he get the short straw by going to the US? Uh. Yes, yeah. We. Um, I remember. Well, you know Alan Foy well from Venture Wave, and Alan sat in front of us on the invest. We said, um, "This this product and this space of, of team experience is U, is US focused. As in US people will will will, will really um, buy into this, and they and they and they do, and they will." And he said, "That's where you need to be." So one of his needs to go. <laughs> So I looked at James and he looked at me and uh, I said, you're the CEO, mate, you, you have to go. So uh, I was still playing a bit of football at the time and that was my excuse. But no, in fairness, he put the hand up. He said, I, I'm the CEO and I'll be first, first. Do you know what? I think you're right. I think if you, if you, if you, want, to get, if you want to get an overseas market right, you've got a far greater chance if you're there than if you're not there. Yeah, we've talked to so many businesses that have hired senior salespeople in different markets to spend them big money rarely work so our model is James leading us out there there's a chief of staff going going with him I'm traveling every month or every six weeks to, to build a network build their pipeline uh, and James is over there at the, at the moment he's still going through his visa but he's over there for the last uh, three or four weeks his kids are home in, 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 in Castleknock he's making the ultimate sacrifice and he's, he's looking at schools now they're, they're moving over um, in the next couple of months um, looking at schools for, for Noah 
he's starting he's starting big school now uh, in September so like it's a real and sometimes people don't realise the actual practicalities of, of doing a big move like that it's, it's huge it's a big a yeah. big commitment and in fairness he's, he's leading by leading by the front um, and inspiring us to, 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 to do that and we're, we're energised by it we think there's real opportunity over there we're, we've fantastic conversations happening uh, our tech is in a good place so we're really just starting at that cusp of, of hopefully is, a, is an exciting space for us so Biggest mistake in your career? Biggest mistake in my career? Um, I, I suppose I'll flip it and say the biggest learning. I, I'm now in, in, a, in a stage of SaaS selling, uh, which is basically selling technology, um, where I was selling PR and marketing, and it's a totally different um, space for me. My, it's, it's, it's relentless. It's, it takes massive focus. It takes massive diligence and chopping up your week, so time slicing your week. So I've loads to learn. We did a session on timekeeping. Like I have so much so much to learn about uh, about how to chop up my week it's a total different experience it's a it's a it's a huge learning for me but i'm excited by it uh, and I'm, I'm willing to go after it so this, this space is a it's an in- interesting one so have you made mistakes around time management before yeah i like, think like the, si- the simple things is i'm busy out there meeting i'm networking i'm going to events like what we what i need to be more diligent at is is, is following up being diligent having a setup come back to them the next day the day after don't be leaving things week after week and they're, they're the small things that make add up all the difference Comments you made on Twitter about how other Dublin players felt like you were getting an unfair share of the commercial deals. And I suppose, you know, as the guy scoring the goals, scoring the points, uh, there are a lot of fellas behind you. But I, I think you, maybe someone brought that to your attention, that there was other people who are part or maybe should share in your success. Mm. And I believe you did something about it. Yeah, it was mainly Pat Gilroy started this um, kind of team fund or whatever it was. And, and as you say, if you're the striker or, 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 or there a while, you're maybe the person that brands want to work with more than the guys that are a cornerback or in a, in a, in a different position. I don't, I don't see as much of the limelight as they say. So I think the, le- the lesson behind that, that, that tweet was about just been the, the kind of, I suppose, kicking the ego I got um, around this is a team game that you can't score the ball if you don't have lads breaking their ass to and get did someone the ball. tell you that did someone yeah. say that to your yeah. face yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. Pat, called, uh, Pat openly uh, brought up to me and, and others I wasn't the only one but um, I think it was just a, it was just an example of what, what that Dublin team was trying to do about, yeah. about making it making it more of a team team dynamic and making sure that we all win together or lose together what qualities does a leader need in, in your view Bernard I think the leaders of today has been been given an uh, an opportunity to listen. So having an open forum for conversation to not. I remember even Jim Gavin would never shirk a hard conversation. And when he's got thirty six lads and he's only picked fifteen guys for every match, he had fantastic amount of hard conversations. Uh, on Ogar, I remember me and our own in our later days, we'd always be tic tacking about it, will you be in the team or not? And and both of us and loads of others would give Jim loads of feedback and fairness to him, he never closed the door. He always t- took it up, but he, but he always gave honest and, yeah. and, and good feedback, you know what I mean? So, so, so honesty and authenticity, authenticity and being true to yourself yeah. is all vital components and I think giving clarity to people I think one of the one of the best things you can do for someone as a leader is what does success look like yeah. make it really simple this is this is what your role is yes we'll, as we said in the pitch you go past that white line and you innovate and you you, do, you show your magic but success for you looks like X, Y and Z and that's yeah. it's such a nice place to be to have clarity on what your role is yeah that's great um, maybe tell us one thing about yourself that might surprise us um, um, 
Um, I'm a Are big, you into heavy metal or anything like that? I was going to go music, actually. I'm actually a big Michael Jackson fan, and, my, and my, my, my playlist coming into Crow Park is, uh, is Man in the Mirror, is, is, is no the one that comes on. So uh, maybe it's a metaphor for, for uh, with Man in the Mirror, but yeah, Michael Jackson is on the playlist. I wouldn't have thought that. That's interesting. <laughs> Who is your legend of leadership? And it can obviously be somebody uh, that's well known to mm. us all, or maybe even somebody from your personal life. Yeah. Yeah, and now I haven't kind of gone down the route before, but it's probably my dad. When I when I look about my my, my sporting life, obviously he's a massive influence, and my brother, Alan. Um, but when I what gets me gives me energy every day is my work. You know what I mean? My my my, my entrepreneurship, the people around me, and and my dad was in Microsoft for years, uh, and about twenty years ago he retired. Um, and started to do a few of his own bits uh, and, and was involved in, in some hotels and in, in, in a fund. And, and he got me involved in a bit of it and some of the governance of it. I was on, on a couple of the boards and it just gave me a flavour. I was a young accountant trying to learn, earn myself, but just that kind of something different every day. Like you're here, you're an entrepreneur, you know that energy you get from just different, different challenges every day, different things coming up. And I think I, I never really thought about it until now that probably that's where my, my, the seed for it, entrepreneurship. Isn't it funny? I, I remember with my, my own father thinking that we were, when I was like 20, that we were the most different people on the planet. Mm. And then when I was 50, thinking that I'd become him, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like. My wife says the same. She says, you're, you're, you're as bad as your dad, the way you're, you're walking, the way you're sipping cups of tea and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, that's probably the uh, sent down. But yeah, probably my entrepreneurial spirit came from him, I'd say. Yeah. Great, great. So Bernard, um, what advice would you give to your younger self? I always <laughs> think this is a great question. It's a good question. Um, I had a pal who passed away, uh, Niall McCann, a very good pal of mine, and he used to say to me, he was a big Dublin fan, and he used to come to all the games, he used to say, go for the gap. Uh, he was a big, he was a big uh, racing car fan, and uh, something that stuck with me. So in my sporting life, I always used to go for the gap, literally go for the gap, but in business life and everything, take risks. So I'd say to my younger self, go for the gap, take risks, take it on. If you, if, you, if, you, if you lose, you learn. If you win, keep going. Yeah, yeah. That's great advice. So, Bernard, I really enjoyed our chat uh, in the gym here. I, never, it's, I think it's the first interview I've ever done in a gym. Uh, but uh, in Plunkett's GAA here. What we might do, maybe just to close out, is you, we might bring me outside, show me the pitch. Absolutely. Show me where it all really happened for you as a young lad. Absolutely. Let's go. Okay. So Bernard, we're out here on the pitch now, um, just looking here, this is much bigger than I would have imagined. What have we got, four or five pitches here? Yeah, we've uh, we've four pitch, uh, three pitches here. Uh, our senior pitch we're standing beside here now, and we've got a, a smaller one up the top, and then we've got a juvenile pitch there. We've, we we share the grounds here. These are council grounds with Phoenix Soccer Club, so they've got two pitches. We're actually just putting through a motion with Dublin Council now to try and get an all weather because get the resources up for yeah. um, for the kids. We've got hundreds. Of my my two are here. The twins are, uh, are four years of age. Well, How are they getting on? They're great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said we want to get an all weather so we can bring them out here in the evening time and set them off. You know what I mean? So uh, so we're working on that at the moment, but. Uh, um, it's a fantastic facility, as you say, three pitches. We've had uh, the club members, we've, we've hundreds of members, and, and uh, so. What about the ladies? How do they feature here? Yeah, Any, uh, great ladies. Africa will be turning up here Absolutely, soon. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. She's, she's already shouldering the two lads <laughs> off. Of the, she's going to grow up strong with having two older brothers uh, dragging over. But uh, yeah, fantastic uh, Camogie team here, uh, and football is now getting stronger and stronger. But uh, yeah, that, that's, that's the magic about clubs, I suppose. Plunkett is just one of them. But we have a men's shed here for, for, for elder gentlemen. We've got nifty fifties that dance here on a Wednesday night. We've got the nursery. We've the crash there, as you can hear the kids yeah. uh, every day. So the G. 
PA is 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 the centre part of the community at the moment. Do you know what I mean? So uh, it's it's yeah. and even in the clubhouse upstairs, I was noticing like it almost seems like the local pub. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like it's, uh, it's we're in the middle of a housing estate here, and you you meet the same faces that come up for a pint on a Friday night or after a game. You see the few heads that are the local Plunkets guys. So it's a real kind of commu- it's a real country feel to adopt, even though it's a, it's a it's a city club. We're very kind of insular. We're, we're as I said, we're we're in a tight location wise, uh, and a and very kind of proud uh, member base as well. Well, listen, thanks for letting us into your world. It's great to share your story here with you in your own environment, which is Plunkett's. It's been a great conversation. And Bernard Brogan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Bobby, as always. Thank you. Great. Life and Leadership with Bobby Kerr. A News Talk original. Brought to you by Amundi, an asset manager working today for all our tomorrows.